Hey everyone, welcome to the Wild and Uncut podcast brought to you by Ruger. I'm your host, Christy Titus. Thank you for tuning in. The line is going hot, so let's go full send on this episode. Since 1949, Ruger has embodied the spirit of hunting in America. Ruger firearms are built to deliver the reliable and accurate performance that seasoned veterans demand and new hunters can trust. At Ruger, we believe that hunting is about more than just the thrill of the chase. It's about the freedom and opportunity that come with it. This is our heritage, and this is Ruger. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Wild and Uncut podcast. We are in Indiana in uh, one of my favorite humans in the world, a man that I dearly love, Jim Craig's beautiful museum. And um, we're also here with, I would say, one of the most iconic and legendary big game hunters in North America, Reg Collingwood. And um, what an honor to be sitting here with both of these men right now. Um, and I have, for the last two days, been listening to stories, which some could be repeated and others probably not, um, <laughs> of sheep hunts and mountain adventures from fighting fires to, I don't you know, yeah. lots of crazy things. Everything in between. The two of you have been hunting together for how long? Uh, probably 35 to 40 years. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, since in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Seventy-nine. Yeah, that's it. Nineteen seventy-nine. So forty-four years. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. We were, you know, when we come and meet. I mean, Jim would talk about different guys that were maybe were in the camp where. Yeah. He went out, and we were just talking the other night about a uh, guy from Norway, Oli Peter, and he was on a one-month hunt. And, he kind of r- rattled my uh, uh, memory about the about the hunt, and it was uh, after forty four yeah. years. It's easy to forget a detail or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but it, it then it all comes back, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh yeah, he got a goat here, and Jim was up there, and right, yeah. So Reg, how long did you run your area for? Because you recently sold. Yeah. Yeah. But you ran your area in northern BC for how long? Uh we were um in there seventy six. So uh, Jim was one of your, almost one of your first hunters. Yeah. And then before that I was my brothers were had an area beside that mm-hmm. that one. And at one time we had three areas and then I sold one to a guy named Carl Ostmuller. Mm-hmm. And then we just basically focused on the Spats Easy area because it was not really, uh, the infrastructure wasn't really set up the way I like it and had to do a lot of trail cut and built cabins and uh, a lot of work, a lot of work, 
put new trails in here and there, yeah. Mm -hmm. And just for the record, you guys, this is Reg's first um, on-camera podcast appearance, so. Yeah. <laughs> and Jim's an old hat at this, so yeah. we, well, he'll carry it. I don't know about You've done that. It with so, Jim, how did you end up meeting Reg in 1979 and heading north? Well, uh, <coughs> I was looking to go stone sheep hunting, and uh, I'd killed a doll sheep and, and, uh, and, uh, California Bighorn at that time, and was talking about stone sheep. And Jack Hatchison Sr. out of Butte, Montana, he uh, got to know him pretty good through the years, and he's the one that told me this this Patizzi was a good game rich area, and it is. It's probably had more game than any area that I've ever been, different things. So we went, and I got a hunt with uh, an older gentleman who got it, Fred Bear, named Charlie Abu. And a uh, uh, tremendous hunter, uh, Indian gentleman, and a great sheep hunter, wasn't he, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he taught taught me lots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, they lived in that area. Mm -hmm. and And grew, you know, many years. They lived right in the area, didn't they, Red? Yeah. And uh, he was a great, great sheep hunter. He could just tell you what the sheep was going to be. We see Ram over here. And we'd go, they would be mm -hmm. there, just like he talked to them, you know, told them to be there, yeah. But it was great. And, Reg, how did you end up getting all of these areas at one point? Like, what, what prompted that for you? Okay, I uh, I heard about originally the Spats Easy and uh, the, um, Tommy, Tommy Walker went in there with uh, a native guide, um, Moyes was his name and he they trailed 300 miles across from uh, Vanderhoof up to that country and took horses in wow and told him uh, at Moyes Creek which was flows into the upper Stikine River he said okay across there that's good game country mm -hmm. so Tommy got that um, just when they were starting to make areas in British Columbia and uh Old Dalzell was north of that, mm -hmm. and uh, Tommy, Tommy was big in the sort of Boone Crockett stuff too, mm -hmm. and uh, I I knew Tommy when he was in town. He was elderly fella then. I used to go go see him and talk about that, and then Bob Henderson was another guy that sort of ran it for him after that, and. You know, there's been all kinds of stories. That was one place, too. You could winter horses in the Spats mm -hmm. Easy, like you could on the East Slope. Mm -hmm. Well, they call it Kachika Thumb, actually, over there around Highland Post. And we, we, we wintered horses, and I actually wintered horses there when I first went there. And uh, So the same thing kind of brought you, you and Jim both, to the same area was was a ex kind of a secluded location with you know incredible hunting yeah and well I, I went went in there when we first took it over and we were rounding up horses you mm -hmm. know so I was I was <laughs> I could ride and and stuff then so you know I could go chase them and catch them and I sometimes we just have to break a horse to ride up the cold fish and get it in and work it a, a day or two and then well just there, try and work. ride it yeah just put it to work <laughs> put it to work <laughs> you don't mess around with the fancy stuff you uh, just get them going yeah, down the trail yeah 
Jim, um, so when you go in, um, or you, there's several ways you can get in with a with a plane. You've got a landing strip there, or you can go up a boat. Yeah. And once you get there, people can either hunt off a foot or on horseback. Yeah, we we went into Coldfish Lake uh, the first time when I was there, and actually. They had had a camp there, Tommy Walker had in, uh, at one time. But Reg and them moved up to what they call Bug Lake and had tent camp there. They got a permanent camp later with cabins and stuff. But we hunted out of Bug Lake and uh, from there. And actually, I killed the first sheep in Culloden Creek with Charlie mm-hmm. and Dennis Hauser, who was guiding for those guys there. Yeah. How many of your stone sheep did you take with Ridge? Because you've got eight. Yeah, killed six. Six of them with Ridge. Uh, yeah. Were you on every hunt or not? No, just uh, a few. He, not all of them. Not he all. was not, but he we we a lot of them more than mm-hmm. more of them than not. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I went with Slim Sawatsky and Tyler Brost and guys like that, different mm-hmm. guys. But Ridge have a client who wanted to hunt with him, so I didn't care he had good guys mm-hmm. really the best in the business so the yeah. first one was charlie and that, then then my nephew he took him mm-hmm. uh <coughs> on on one there too yeah uh clayton clayton mm-hmm. yeah. clayton collingwood and yeah his buddy ty brost and mm-hmm. they were all hockey players and tough and well clayton's also a pilot yes yes yeah. and he flew a lot mm-hmm. yeah you know, he was a pilot and one of the better all-around people I've ever been around. Good horse guy, mm-hmm. pilot, and, uh, cook, everything rolled up in one. Uh, and yeah. uh, he was a great guide, too, mm-hmm. great sheep guide. Yeah, you also put together, Reg, a series of outfitter camps, like uh, guide camps, I guess, where people could come and learn how to... Oh, yeah. All the tricks of the trade. The, 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 the guide schools. The guide schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we did that. Um, originally, the the first guide schools were at at my place down by the river. And uh, when we uh, did them later on, um, Bob Henderson was, was involved in it, too. Um, Bob was actually... Uh, trained politically as he was going to be a lawyer and then he was supposed to be in the uh, Canadian uh, parliament you know he was getting sort of uh, combed for doing that and mm-hmm. he ended up uh, in the spats easy he never went back to that that life he and, just stayed and he he was also a pilot and he, he got this idea of doing guide schools and um so <laughs> As it ended up, we ended down up at Stan Lancaster's place, mm-hmm. and uh, Stanley was a famous outfitter, big rough guy, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we we had a cookhouse down there, and uh, we had horses, and we we would you know start colts, and then everybody had to learn how to cook, and shoe a horse. You had to put a front shoe on and a hind shoe on um, to pass, and then we had uh mechanics so everybody knew how to run a chainsaw and actually mix oil for that and, mm-hmm. you know put oil to mix uh boats you know I, I, there was all kinds of stuff i used to hear that you know people thought the engine was getting too hot so they pour 
water. You know, people hire kids and young people and they pour water in where the oil went or something. You know? <laughs> I'm like, wow, we need a school. <laughs> we need to get we need to get people with skills mm-hmm. and learn how mm-hmm. to pack and, and mm-hmm. learn how to carry that game out and horse care and all that stuff and first aid also for mm-hmm. uh, taking care of your clients and, and learning how to cook. So I'm, I'm sure... Like some of these students, you probably thought, oh, Lord, you're never going to survive in the backcountry. And then some of them, you're probably like, I'm going to hire you. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's got to be some that you just rolled your eyes when they sh- showed up and <laughs> well, were terrified oh, yeah. a little yeah, bit. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Jim, Jim visited the school a few times coming out from spring bear hunts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went to school. And uh, Reggie even learned how to speak because... No foul language. Oh, and, yeah. And he said, he made them understand the client's paying your wages yeah. you know, uh, and everything proper, how to handle things. So it was pretty important, you know, mm-hmm. how kids how to act in front of people. And uh, uh, it was I was up a few years. I'd go up and visit them when they're at guide school. And it was interesting, you know. Those kids come out, a lot of good ones, really. Yeah. Like, you know, Jake and Brandon, them guys, you know, tremendous guides yeah. mm-hmm. learn the basics well they learn from the best oh well, yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then just get down in the fundamentals like caping yeah. and stuff like that yeah and i was watching them you know it's just in detail it's how you learn you know mm-hmm. give a couple pointers like like some of your major takeaways that the maybe the green perspective guides would come in all gung-ho about that they would learn real quick a lesson or two just give us a couple stories i mean reg if you listen to reg tell stories we're holding back a little bit here i'm not gonna lie we're holding back a little here this is a germane conversation but these two have me literally in stitches with these stories but just just you know one or two of your favorites yeah well you know there were there was uh you know, some guys, who, of course, you know, learn how to pack, and if mm-hmm. they didn't do it right, they were, ended up in some pretty big wrecks, you know. <laughs> and and uh, there was another guy, I used to call him Ball Peen Ben, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? Anyways, we had, we had got a moose, and he said, oh, yeah, I'm going to carry all that. And I said, no, that's too much. Mm-hmm. And I got him up. We're actually going to pack board this out, and... Uh, he got going and he he just got too much weight and he went forward and boy he went face first in the water I mean we had to turn him over because um, he was going to drown. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, we turned him over and he's like a turtle on his back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he and we get him up and I said, uh, I think we have to drop like twenty five pounds off that pack and then we'll get keep get going. It, keep going and uh, we'll come back and do another trip, you know. Pick it back up. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there was uh, all kinds of characters out oh, there. Oh, I'm sure. But. Uh, it's good times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. humbling. Jim told a story the other night um, about a guy that thought he was real tough that come to sheep camp one time. Tell that story, Jim. It's a good one. Which was that with Christy? Uh, the guy that wrote the article about. Uh, oh, uh it was uh, Never Brag. Yeah, and that one. Claire like... Reese had written that in, for Outdoor Life in the early 80s. And, and I'd been around Reds, and Reds was a tough. And, you know, he was young, his 20s. And I always remember little waist and big legs and strong shoulders and stuff, you know. So, uh, and this Claire Reese had written a story, Never Brag. And he said, 
I come into camp and was going to hunt goats with him, and he said, told him I was tough. I lived in Colorado, and I was tough. And he said, then I think he perked it personal because he destroyed me. <laughs> Reg <laughs> destroyed him. Yeah, he, well. said, he, he said, I found out I wasn't tough. So he said, you better start faking knee injuries, anything, to get sympathy. Because, uh, and I told guys this when they thought they was tough, you know, this story. You know, it was a good lesson. Mm -hmm. yeah, very good lesson. Jim was on a hunt with one guy who came into camp pretty braggadocious talking about how tough he was and he told him the story about the guy that thought he was tough and was humbled uh -huh. and that guy learned that he also wasn't tough and a after the end of it, he quit talking to his guide altogether. <laughs> yeah. He just kind of shut down and yeah, he was hunting with Ty, Ty Brost, and uh, yeah, he was goat hunting. And and I told him we flew out on an airplane. He told me he's a marathon runner and how tough it was. And I said I told him the story. He thought he would understand maybe, but he didn't. But Ty took him and he said, uh, I saw him after the hunt. Ty and the hunter was already out, but he killed a sheep. He killed a goat and uh, and. I asked Ty, I said, how did you do with him? He said, he wouldn't speak to me. It was the second day. <laughs> but you challenge those young 23-year-old guys. Mm -hmm. ugh, tough, yeah. Yeah. tough people. Yeah, and Great, great hunter, though, Ty was. I, he guided me with Slim Sawatsky once. And good guys, best in the business. Yeah. They had as good as people as ever was, you know, hunting, mm -hmm. guide for them. Yeah, all those like Ty, he he still he still goes out, um, you know, moose hunting. He's mm -hmm. he's got a very successful construction company, but you know he's always phoning. What's going on? What's going mm -hmm. on with the hunting? And I'm going moose hunting, and he's teaching his boys too. And yeah, he you know he's carrying that legacy on, and they're they're right into it. Reg had a lot of people. I met a lot of people. Got him from like Tim Mervin, and uh, and his wife Jen. She cooked there, and yeah. uh, they Tim wasn't a sheep hunter when he started, but Reg developed and he went on. He's up in the Yukon now, so it's and it's just very interesting. People learn the basics from get the best, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot, a lot of good uh, young guys like uh, Brandon Ponneth. He uh, also, he's up at Atlin, and uh, him and I, you know, sheep hunting, and actually, uh, Brandon, he, uh, he he wrote me a thing, gave me a, a scabbard, and he said, thanks for teaching me all this. Oh, that's nice. Um, and, you know, him, him and I chased horses lots, you know. Mm, this you do a lot of times when you have horses is mm -hmm. you chase them. They have to wear a bell for a reason so you can find them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a great hunter. Too. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> we goat hunted together, uh, me and Reg and Brandon, and got stuck on the mountainside all night. And, and I told Reg, I, I'd killed several goats. And I said, this is, my, we land under a tree with a big bar. And Reg gave me a space blanket of some kind. <laughs> it was been packed too long. It, when the ball just went to pieces when the wind blowed. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> it was very worthwhile at that yeah. point. Yeah. We're, all those years of packing, it paid off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, and Red, I said, this is my last go. Because every time you get stuck out all night. And, and uh, Red said, I wish I could say it was my last one. Because he said, you can't go hunting. You just get stuck every time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember that blanket. I said, oh, don't worry, Jim. I got a fire going. I went and collected wood. I actually found the horses in the dark, and I just fed them out for a while. And then I said, don't worry. I got a really good space blanket. <laughs> just just fell apart. Yeah. Jim goes, that's really good. <laughs> really really <It> was, prepared. <laughs> yeah. But we made it. Yeah. Was, it was not bad. It was uh Good experience. Brandon laid there and slept. He laid there and slept <laughs> on on the ground beside the fire, and just like. And I said, I just can't do that. I just, <laughs> no. I would never sleep. But that's all right. We took care of him. Yeah, the old guys took care of the young guy. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. 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 Well, he knew you had his six, right? Yeah. <laughs> he could relax. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's that's really good. I I have stayed out on the mountain a couple of times and. Once in your neighboring area, we slept out all night for a sheep, and I remember I climbed inside my extended stay backpack trying to stay warm because oh, we didn't have a fire. Yeah, and yeah. it was cold. I oh, mean, yeah. we had M and M's to eat, and that was it because we didn't plan on being out all night. And it, the mountain has a kind of an interesting way of creating those lovely opportunities. I think everybody calls them type two fun. Type two, <laughs> yeah. 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 At the time, you kind of question your sanity while you're there, and then afterwards, you're like, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, those uh, sheep and goat hunts, you can spend a lot of nights out on, the, mm-hmm. on them things. Hey, you get stuck. It seems like goat hunting, you really get stuck a lot because you're a pie, and, and this takes so long to get there, and it gets dark on you, you know, so it's just tough, you know. Mm-hmm. Sheep the same way. I spend a lot of nights laying on the mountainside. You get a good fire, you got it made, though. It's if there's something to burn, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. If. Yeah, if it's not raining. You know. Yeah, or if it's not raining, exactly, yeah. yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think, uh, Jim, we were talking like uh, even like there's some of the girls that guide. Yeah. You know, and you, you've been out with them, and they're mm-hmm. they're pretty remarkable. I mean, yeah. it was kind of a man's world a mm-hmm. lot, but... Uh, you know, we had like Esther Kyle. Esther Kyle, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she, she ended up marrying uh, Kurt McGee, and they're my neighbors now. And yeah. I mean, they're they're really good guides. They're mm-hmm. they're a super team, and mm-hmm. they Top got notch, yeah. three kids now, and they got horses, and mm-hmm. they, they really want to get more into it. Well, I hunted with Miguel Minto and Kate Bryant in your yeah. neighboring area. Yeah. And heck, I mean, it was me and these two girls were 100 air miles from the nearest road. And Ron just drops us off and he's like, bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. See you, girls. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, tough people. They're I mean. tough girls. There's oh, a yeah. lot of really tough girls. Yeah. And I'll tell you, those both of those girls could pack. Yeah. Like like a like a man and yeah. they're tiny little well miguel is a, a stout chick but kate's tiny she's pretty slight and and both of those women are are incredibly strong and good packers and even rena mm-hmm. her i met her daughter the other day um what's their outfit called uh a fire mountain fire mountain rena's like 15 year old daughter or something she wrangles horses and does stuff with them oh, yeah. off it. And she grabbed a hold of my hand and shook it. And I just, she about <laughs> broke it. I'm like, holy smokes, kid. <laughs> She's eating her Wheaties out on that out- outfit. I mean, these girls are, they're strong. They're tough. And, uh, you know, you have a man that'll come into camp, I think. And a lot of times they'll, like, gosh, I got the girl for a guy, da, da, da. And these women will 
No. Put them to shame. Oh, you know? boy. It's a, <coughs> it's a humbling experience for <laughs> yeah. a lot of uh, novice mountain hunters to go with some of these professional ladies that do this day in and day out. Yeah. K- KDR back was another K- one. KDR back yeah. was uh, mm-hmm. another one guy from a little short girl. Ooh, mm-hmm. Tough. I mean, mentally tough and physical tough, you mm-hmm. know, and could handle herself. You know, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. You know, mm-hmm. just amazing what they could handle. Yeah. Yeah. We got Rachel Attila up there, and she's been guiding and yeah. running horse strings. And I mean, she's definitely put in some time and some years as well. Yeah. Lots of ladies, actually. I mean, it's it's actually when I go to Blackstone and hunt Fan and Rams with them, they have a gal that guides there, and I her name's kind of escaping me right now. But um, but I told her I was like, man, will you be my guide? Because it'd be really awesome to yeah. to go with another woman and and have that experience it is great you know yeah. to, there's a lot of them they know they've got to be tough to do it <clears throat> mentally they're prepared you mm-hmm. know you know uh, i think that's the main thing just a mental yeah. aspect of it you know um heidi good freak yeah. yeah and she just uh actually i think she's uh she actually bought a place beside me now yeah so she's hauling some yeah. horses up there she's mm-hmm. all into those horses and she was she was a sheep guide for mm-hmm. a long time. Cassidy Karen's another one who's she's incredible guide and outfitter. It's it's incredible the change that's happened. I think in the hunting community where you know the women were kind of stuck behind cooking and now they're more on the forefront of the hunt and and responsible for the success of a lot of these hunts and I think that really goes to show uh the power of the determination that these ladies have had because you know a lot of you know you think back you know when you started your outfit how many girls were guiding ridge uh none uh, my brother's daughter ray's daughter carrie was doing some guiding mm-hmm. and she ended up being a, a lot more in the fish guiding and yeah her husband have a steelhead camp but mm-hmm. they're still out there in the bush you know mm-hmm. making it off the land there yeah, I've got it. She's been with me on some goat hunts, you know. Yeah. Tough. Because yeah, just a little but tough, you mm-hmm. know. Could pack twice as much as I could, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's been good, you know. It's amazing. But I think we get more women in the outdoors, and it shows you can do it. You know, yeah. that's half of it, you mm-hmm. know. It makes some women more comfortable when they got a woman guide, too, which mm-hmm. is a real plus, you know. And uh, a lot of times you thought they couldn't make it, but they can because most of them are determined, mm-hmm. you know, a lot more mentally tough, prepared than a lot of men are. Yeah. yeah. And, and so much of hunting, is, especially mountain hunting, is mental. I mean, Jim, you can walk people through a little bit, too, on some of the physical stuff that you've overcome uh, from hunting with a broken foot to, I mean, what your body really will, will is capable of. Well, we've been lucky in life because... Pretty good medical care can help you, but you know I've went on a hunt with Reg one time, and I had a was it an accident uh, four weeks before the hunt, and and uh, broke a foot, and uh, I had a doctor who was in sports medicine, Doctor Matt Parmenter, and uh, he helped me a lot mm-hmm. uh, with with things to get over fast healing, and I went on the hunt, and uh, I couldn't get around real good, but I made it and was successful, and. Uh, but ahead, understanding guide. Jim shows up in camp and he's like, "Hey, by the way, Reg, 
my foot's broke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That That's just what every outfitter wants to hear when their hunters show up. <laughs> By the way, I'm going sheep hunting with a broken foot. We'd, we'd hunted before, so yeah. I didn't want to interrupt their schedule they had. So I thought they were You didn't them. want them to tell you you couldn't come, <laughs> no. let's be well, honest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, 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 uh, I was going to do it one way or the other. Uh. So. And eat some pain pills and keep going, you know. That's mm-hmm. the way you do it. And, you know, I've survived the bear attacks and everything like that. So it, You should tell the bear attack story. Uh, you kind of skip over that real quickly. but um, Well, I was hunting bighorns with Albert Cooper, which Reg knows real well. He's a legend in British Columbia <laughs> and down in Mount Assiniboine country and uh, hunting bighorns. And, and uh, I had been able to... Uh, hunt with Albert some elk and different things so uh, and he had some tremendous big horns in that area so we went and uh, I was very blessed let's put it this way uh, to survive it I killed a pretty nice big horn and started down the mountain and got, got grabbed a grizzly so that it circled us and come down on us and, but I had good people around me and uh the the gal that ran Jim's gun store, Tammy, uh, was with Jim. She had an elk tag, and they'd seen some elk, and they'd also seen these rams. So Jim said, well, I'll go. We'll get a stock on this ram, and when we come back, if we see those elk, we can kind of do a double up. <clears throat> so Tammy was with Jim. Now, mind you, he owns, owned for over 40 years a really successful yeah. gun store here in Indiana, ran it out of his home. And Tammy knows everything about guns. I mean, she ran the gun store for Jim. She, I mean, nobody gave Tammy any guff. And she knows her way around a firearm. And when that bear grabbed a hold of Jim, Tammy saved his life with her firearm. Yeah, she was very fortunate. She, it was how it come about. Albert had met her at the sheep show and, uh, and I had was going to hunt sheep with him, and he said, "Why don't you come up when he comes up and spend seven days? And we'll get you an elk and a mountain goat." And uh, so uh, she just happened to be there, and he had a Canadian RCMP with their uh, guiding named Barney Weismiller uh, from from Invermere, and, uh, and they come down elk hunting that day pretty close to where me and Doug Gertner spotted the sheep and they went up with us and it was a blessing as a godsend that's how it happened but she kept her composure and she had a she liked to shoot she was one of the tough girls so she always shot her little gun with a 338 so mm-hmm. and uh, and she was packing it that day and she saved all of us because the guys didn't have guns and she killed him after shooting four times. But uh, Jim had his firearm with him. But by the time you realized the bear was coming, you tried to close the bolt on your round, and just yeah. you were just a little too slow. Yeah, I was about. I uh, saw the bear probably two seconds before he had me, and you couldn't get a shell in the chamber. I had it carrying it with the magazine pool and uh, coming down. It was your fight uh, sliding down a lot and falling. Mm-hmm. And uh, but. Uh, he just come in, he grabbed me and took off carrying me by my arm and uh, shaking me and throwing me. And, and uh, her and uh, Barney Wisemiller, Barney would get him off of me for a second. She'd shoot 
and then he'd get me again and shake me and throw me and uh, she'd shoot again and so she ended up shooting him four times finally and saved all of us really but she kept her composure and I always tell people uh, she'd done a lot of interviews after that because I was afraid she'd get tripped tripped up by the anti-hunting or anti-gun people and she always told everybody I couldn't have done it uh, God done it for me and mm -hmm. uh, and Nobody would ever answer or say a word after that. Cause mm -hmm. She said, I couldn't have done it on my own because she was a very religious kid who had, very, had a life scare with a brain aneurysm before that. So she was a very religious kid, and it carried her through at mm -hmm. the right time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Jim, the, Tammy and, and was the RCMP went off the mountain that night? Uh, they went off the mountain, and, and the RCMP, he, they went to camp, and got some sleeping bag to cover me up with because it was real high it was four hours up and you had a compound fracture in your legs legs and my, and my hands were messed up bad ribs broke I'm bad on one side and uh, and a lot of cuts and bruises but uh but anyway they her and albert rode out about 25 miles at night to get help and uh and uh, the RCMP, Barney, he made it back. He recruited a resident hunter, and they come back and pick me up uh, or fix me up that night. But we had a fire started, and it's just I survived it. So it was that was about it, you know. The caveat to this, though, is Jim's laying there by a fire trying not to slip into shock, probably partially in shock, as a second grizzly bear slips in grabs his pack, grabs his ram, and he has to sit and lay there and listen to another grizzly bear eating his ram right right, right. with him. And, and he didn't say a word because he was terrified that everybody would leave him. Yeah, he was about 20 feet from me across a little, and a little, little ditch there. And, and uh, I could hear the rocks coming down, so I knew what it was. So, but... Doug Gertner, who was with me, he went down and was carrying wood up. He was right at Timberline, so he was carrying wood up, and I could hear him singing, but uh, but the bear got the backpack, and he was in a green backpack. I never forgot it, and, and uh, the head uh, and all was in it for a full life-size mount, and uh, next morning, there was nothing left, uh, so I had never told Doug anything. I'd heard anything, because it just... Uh, you know, you're kind of in shock, like Christy said, and you, you, you was hurting bad enough. You didn't really care, you know, mm -hmm. uh, at that time, you know. So. so he never did get his ram. The no. bear took the ram. And Jim doesn't count that towards his eighth finales, so now he's like seven yeah. and three-quarter on his finales <laughs> because well, he's not counting that one bear that the grizzly <laughs> took from him. I personally would count it, but, I, you know. I, I don't... Uh, uh, like to count something you ain't got so. uh, and uh you no know, i just and, I, and it really meant little to me the finales compared to you know the experiences we've had in life mm -hmm. is where i tell people it's that's the meaning for me like we men Reggie's covered a million miles together and uh and the people albert cooper and and uh guys like that you know and with stan uh, stevens and guys mm -hmm. in northwest territory but who you've been with is what the meaning is of life, you know, and Terry Anderson, California, and so different places, you know, just tremendous people, you know. Mm -hmm. 
I've been fortunate. I was uh, flown into Ridge's camp one time when Jim was out moose hunting and uh, stopped into Ridge's camp and had uh, coffee and pastries and whatnot with Leanne. And I mean, Leanne's been on um, a lot of your journeys as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's she incredible. Went, she never got a sheep hunt because not physically, her legs messed up some, mm-hmm. the accidents. But, uh, but she got to go a lot and had a lot of friends mm-hmm. in the hunting business. We've had a tremendous amount of friends in the hunting community. You know, it was really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. That's what counts in the world a lot of times is people you're with. And mm-hmm. I always look, I've had some great guys to, uh, and experiences, you know, with people. And you become great friends mm-hmm. through the years, like me and Reg. Well, you guys are like brothers. Yeah, you are you around almost like family. I, yeah. Yeah. I went up on a lot of hunts and that we didn't intend to go, you know, but we go and have fun. I go back winter trapping trips with them. I've been up there 20 times doing that in the wintertime. And just, they're like family to me, all the Collingwood, Ray and Reg and Clayton and all of them, you know. And done some waterfowl shooting down in South Catchin when yeah. Ron had come, their brother in between them. Mm. And uh, and then right. you see the Collingwoods in action, Clayton agitating them all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Jim was, you know, going, teaching my boys uh, shotgun. And, and yeah. uh, we, we got them to retrieve a lot of the – that's perfect. Yeah, get them young boys. You don't boys. need a dog. That's right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they ran out there and grabbed them geese and ducks. And yeah, we had Clint and Mark with us, and and uh, Ray had made wings for them. And uh, Clint was real little. And he looked. He was a decoy too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, we had a lot of fun together with those guys. We were down in Saskatchewan waterfowl hunting, and uh, it was just they become like family to mm-hmm. us. And, Uh, through the years, you know, uh, real close. No matter where you pursue the wild, never leave home without Onyx Hunt. Onyx gives hunters the confidence to apply and draw tags in areas they've never set foot in, extending hunting seasons and opportunities. Always know where you stand with public and private land layers, unit boundaries, and more. Onyx can even be downloaded directly to your phone for use when you don't have service. Wherever you pursue the wild, hunt with Onyx. Yeah, we we went to a couple couple of the overseas hunts. Yeah. Yeah, Mongolia. Yeah, that was went to Russia together. And Ridge lost a little bit of weight over there. <laughs> <laughs> he loved the food. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was weird. <laughs> rough. <laughs> the stories from that are pretty, yeah. pretty rough on yeah. the food part there. Uh, yeah. It makes me not want to go, but it might do me some good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. It's all experience, though. Yeah. Yeah, we. Uh, uh, I, 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 I taught Mongolia. I liked uh, Mongolia. I did too. Hey, yeah. That was that was good. Yeah. Um, Had a lot of fun there. And and uh, and. Uh, What'd you like about it? Um, I think the, the like the people and the wide open spaces. Like, there's only three million people in Mongolia. There's 13 million horses. Oh wow! And uh, I, I, you know, we horse lovers. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And then out in the camp, it, it was a lot more uh, relaxed. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we went to. Uh, it, just the whole um, 
we went to the um, prayer uh, mm -hmm. chapels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they had the bells. Oh yeah, and you you, and then the the barrels you'd spin them and and we you know really cool things like where Genghis Khan had his camp on the oh, wow. Gobi Desert. Right. Yeah, and his wife's buried there under all these rocks and then you put uh, prayer ribbons on the mountains and and i thought that was really cool mm -hmm. and then this water coming out of the, out of the middle of the desert mm -hmm. he kept a hundred thousand horsemen there for yeah. his attacks so yeah it's a little it, different than canada a little different yeah it's a Different, and the people are pretty friendly there. Mm -hmm. That's that yeah. meant a lot because we mm -hmm. had no trouble with yeah. people. Lot, lot. They, they well, to welcome me in to eat and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so you, you had a good time, and but it's it was a good experience that's for sure. And uh, uh, it was just a different world, but it it's it's just the the people was friendly. I think mm -hmm. that's just it. What made it, you know, treated us real good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The polar bear you said was one of the ones that was hard though. The polar cold bear and miserable. Just, yeah, it's just a hard hunt because the weather is a big factor there. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes communication is not the best in the world, but you're out on the ice and for days and days and days, you know. So it's just pretty tough on you, especially the wind blowing and it's just a rugged hunt. Did you just do that one just for the mental challenge? Oh, I, just, I wanted to see it. I like to see everything and experiences, yeah. you know. And I went polar bear twice, and and but it was East Arctic and the West both, and and I enjoyed it. It was just just to get out and do it and see the country. I like history, mm -hmm. uh, and you learn uh, about history, and you read a lot, and so that meant a lot to me, you know. To, to see it, you know, with your eyes. That's mm -hmm. the way you learn, you know. And uh, you just see what people went through in their lifetime. So uh, we got it easy today with gear oh, yeah. and stuff compared to what the people in the past have done, you know. So it's it's really a learning lesson, yeah. Yeah, I've seen some of the gear you guys used to hunt in, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. We don't even have to go back to ancient civilization. We can go back oh. 40 years and yeah. appreciate how much uh, gear has improved. Oh, my God. Uh, tents and shelters and yeah. boots. And, yeah. I mean, it, we're, we're pretty darn spoiled anymore. I mean, it's, I mean, what we consider roughing it is, I mean, we're, I mean, there's a very rare time on the mountain where you're truly, you know, uncomfortable with your gear unless you just have really bad gear. Right, I mean, they've right. they've come so far with shelters and oh sleeping my. bags and boots and coats and that you really don't. Even if the conditions are miserable, you know, typically you know you got a good meal to eat. We've got food that tastes good. We've got shelters that'll keep us dry, bags and stuff that'll keep our gear dry, and and, and then the rest of the. Um, Misery is in between our ears. Right. It's, you know. It's just temporary inconvenience yeah. is all it is, you know. So you know you can, if you got a camp where you can dry out at night and stuff, get warm, it makes a big difference, mm -hmm. you know, because it's not like backpack hunts where you're just living with what you got, you know, and mm -hmm. crawling in a cold tent and wet, you know. So it's a different world. But, but even that's gotten easier. Yeah, I mean, it it's with, with, with the innovations of... 
right. of yeah. equipment it's gotten. Right. I mean, like there's rarely a sheep hunt that, I mean, this new food that they've got, you go sheep hunting and stuff and yeah. you boil hot water and the food is good. You feel like you're eating in a restaurant the with the most spectacular view in the world. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable the comforts that we get to bring compared to when you started sheep hunting. I mean, oh, exactly. it's night and day difference. Yeah. And Goliath. some of these guys in your pictures, they're wearing jean jackets. Oh, yeah. That was pretty common hunts. in the old days. Yeah. You know, like, you what is what going you, on? You wore what you had. Yeah. And, uh, and then you had wool and, uh, for really wet and cold weather. But mm-hmm. wool, but you didn't have gear. And mm-hmm. uh, optics is another thing. Glass, you know, mm-hmm. when I started, there wasn't many good binoculars. You know, you couldn't hardly find them. You'd get headaches from Ice strain, mm. especially like on sheep hunting and stuff where you're really on glass a lot or hunt big bears, you know. It's just, the gear is just so much easier anymore. Mm-hmm. A lot of great gear, yeah. All right, Reg, so first-time sheep hunter, they show up in camp. What are the do's and don'ts? Because uh, the, the, there's got to be a couple things that people commonly do that you just go, oh, Lord, not again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> the big thing is, is to practice shooting and not just bring a new rifle. Yeah, don't just go buy. buy. Uh, uh, practice yeah. shooting. And uh, um, I've, I've seen that end up. Usually we... we we shoot the rifles before we go, and, mm. and some of them aren't even hitting the box. Yeah. And we're like, oh. Yeah, we're in trouble. So let's get this honed in. And sometimes there's lessons, which I've learned a lot from Jim on, hey, Jim, you know, what about this? And what do you think of that? And and dialing the, the rifle in, and, and that's, a, that's a start you mm-hmm. get, if it's going to be a, a rifle hunt and yeah. getting that. Uh, new boots. Oh, boy. Um, People show up with a left and a right, or I mean a well, left and a left, the, the, not a left and a right, or two well, sizes. Or they show up with new boots and they haven't worn them yet. Mm. Yeah. And that it could be okay because a lot of, you know, we were talking about all these boots and stuff. Um, when we first started, we never had Gore-Tex boots and stuff. Yeah. No, no. We used to just grease them up as best we could. And, but um, now some of them you can put on and kind of go. But you should wear, um, oh, around the house anyways. Yeah. Just okay. put them on and make sure that they're two of the same size and that you have two, uh, a left and a right versus two lefts or two rights because that can happen in a shoe store. They switch them around on accident. And and then <coughs> guys wanting to uh, bring all kinds of um, electronic stuff and watch movies and stuff at night, that that. Like actually carrying portable stuff like that, and I said, uh, <laughs> "No, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is this is all business. Mm-hmm. Sheep hunts are very expensive. This is all business, and I don't want you, you know. You want to be dialed in on what we're doing, mm-hmm. mentally and, invested and in mentally the process. Mentally invested in the and at night, you know, you're going to be tired. You need to sleep and." Um, I mean, that th- those kind of, kind of things. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, of course I've taken guys that, you know, um, you don't want to get too picky, but if you're too picky, then you'd you be, be prepared to come back. Empty handed. Empty handed because mm-hmm. I, I've shown lots of guys, well, that's a good ram. 
well, I don't like the color <laughs> yeah. of the sheep. And I was like, well, okay. We're so not grocery shopping and we'll, picking an apple. We'll go find find another one. You find another one. Well, that one's got dots on it or something. And yeah, it it happens. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then, then wrecks happen. You know, I had one where I uh, actually found 22 rams and there was at least four or five good rams and one particularly good ram and he turned it down just turned it down and uh, so found some others and he turned them all down and then i i said well i got i'm gonna uh, i can't help you i'm gonna give you this other guide that was with me i had two and an apprentice guy with me that was really good that ended up being a really good sheep hunter uh, jason trudell and I said, uh, I have to go back and shoe some horses because I had to move to another camp mm-hmm. and I always reset the shoes and away we go and I have to go set that up. And that day, he, uh, because he was tired and doing climbs, you st- you don't realize how you're wearing out. No. And they st- they actually went down, moved camp, found another two sheep and there was a one and he liked it. So they had to go to camp, and then he, he he just fell asleep on his horse and fell off. Oh, no. Just kaplunk. <laughs> kaplunk. And separated shoulder. Hunt, then he never hunt over. Hunts over. <coughs> next morning, I get a call. <laughs> a call. Or uh, no, uh, next morning, I'm back at the camp, and a helicopter lands, and they said, do you know where this camp is? And I said, oh, yeah. Well, you got a guy there with a shoulder. Uh, injury. We, I jumped in with him, went went there, and those two guys said, yeah, he just, he said it was just like he just went plunk, landed on a rock, and uh, that was the end of the hunt. Yeah. And, he, you know, now he did like a sheep, but he's not getting there right now. No, he's now. not going so, there now. Mm-hmm. But it, he did come back, and I took him out again, and we got a sheep. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, a following year mm-hmm. but uh you, you you don't there's very limited amounts of sheep and of any sheep really and but, you're only you have only so many physical resources right you know before you fatigue as well i always said nine days was kind of most guys the ninth day is kind of where the, the, the game starts to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, or mentally whipped, and you know, yeah. if you don't watch, you it, know, it's it becomes a, a uh, physical and mental thing. Then, yeah. Jim, what was your longest time on the mountain on a sheep? I've been on there 23 days, mm-hmm. and uh, another one 21 days, and them are tough because mentally, it's not all physical; it's just mentally. You mm-hmm. get beat down. You got to keep yourself. Uh, confident you mm-hmm. can do it and it's like elk hunting or anything mm-hmm. i've always had confidence it would happen and i found out most times it's true you you'll have the opportunity now where you seize it or not is a different story you know you have to keep yourself mentally prepared all the times because the shot may happen the last 10 minutes you got mm-hmm. of a day and you just got to mentally be prepared and physically prepared the best you can do you know you can only do so much but but you just got to be the best physical shape you can get and uh, 
the mental shape as, as much as anything. It's just mm -hmm. be prepared because you don't know when you're going to stuck five days in a tent that can't see nothing, but and you got to keep yourself up. Most people get depressed pretty fast. You know, they're mentally whipped. They think it's easier. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, you're in a different world. Yeah. I get people call me and use like as a reference and uh, I used to say like when you're going with this guy they can get you a sheep well I learn don't say that because uh, I'd say they can do their part uh, you have to you, do yours you can do yours and I said that's being prepared mentally and physically and uh, it's just it's anymore it's, it's just mental physical mm -hmm. and financial too yeah. because you waste a lot of money and a lot of guys save a lifetime for a hunt you, mm -hmm. and you're real prepared i think you read too many stories or so see too many videos of success and it's all the bad stuff's cut out you know you just got to realize it. and the weather is a big factor of sheep hunting mm -hmm. it's just fogged in and wind blowing you can't see stuck in a tent raining miserable good and have good gear you know yeah. like red said and be prepared shoot and uh practice and stay within your capabilities mm -hmm. you know because like me and red's talking we gotta stay within your capabilities i people ask me what my shot what i want i said i want to be 25 yards if i could yeah. but but <laughs> as close to where i can't miss mm -hmm. and uh but you guys be prepared out i always like to tell people i don't want to go much over 300 because too many weather factors out there. Wind mm -hmm. is a big factor in the mountains. You don't know the how the air currents are. So it's it's just a, a learning thing. And uh, But just prepare yourself because you can make it miserable or you can make it uh, as, the best you can. You yeah. know, and you want to do your part. Do you, you, I always wanted um, to do everything I could cut down every air, you know, mm -hmm. and... Uh, Sometimes I've had unsuccessful sheep hunts, not with these guys, but uh, but I have been because you just weather factor is a big thing. You can have ten to fourteen days in a row just horrible weather and wind blowing and fog. And you got to see. It's interesting. I a lot of people say, well, you know, I probably should get in better shape for my sheep hunt, <laughs> but I don't have time for this or that, and it's like. If you make a practice of being uncomfortable in a comfortable setting at home, when you're uncomfortable in an uncomfortable setting <laughs> out there, it's going to be a lot easier. Because if you think about it, you know, you think you're tired at home when you work a day. And sure, I give you that you're tired. But it's not the same kind of tired no, no, as you're going to feel out there. So, you know, if you're getting ready to go for a mountain hunt of any kind, you know, forcing yourself to get used to kind of functioning and still pushing through on that little bit of lack of sleep and, you know, doing the weight lifting because you're, you're going to inevitably carry a heavy pack and it's not flat. Um, and, and putting in that little bit of time being uncomfortable at home where you know, okay, at the end of this, I get to go in my kitchen and have a cup of coffee <laughs> yeah. or, you know, what, sleep in a nice soft bed tonight. I did, uh, a hunt with Stan up there and I went and bought this fancy new thermal rest bed of some kind it was supposed to be really warm because it was a cold hunt in October and first night out it popped 
Uh-oh. You know? So I spent the week sleeping. Well, the first night I slept on pine boughs and I froze. It was cold. And luckily we bought these little pads to sit on. But, you know, I spent, I was backpacking, carrying heavyweight, and my sleep wasn't great the whole time we were out there because my gear failed me. And you think about it, if you can get a little used to being uncomfortable at home, when you get in a situation like that, you know, Very true. It, it helps you kind of adapt and overcome. So instead of getting frustrated in that situation, you know, I just made the best of it and kept going, you know. And even though I wasn't getting the best of sleep and I was I was colder than that I wanted to be because you're on the ground. And, and so there's all those things, too. So, I mean, if you can't pack 60 pounds at home on a flat driveway for an hour, you're not going to pack that same 60 pounds for 12 days up a mountain or 40 pounds or whatever it is that, you know, you're packing. I mean, you got to be able to put a little into it at home um, to get the most out of your experience up there because you're paying a lot of money to be miserable (laughs) in some capacities. I mean, it's the greatest thing you'll ever do. But it's also hard. Oh, very hard, you know, and it tests you, you know. It's just, you, it's a big surprise to a lot of people how tough you have to be, you know, and stick with it, and just don't say anything, and mm-hmm. and don't complain, mm-hmm. you know, don't whine, and because nobody likes that. You nobody know? wants to listen to anybody nope. whine. I had nope. a guy on a hunt one time that was crying. Yeah, it was very uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable, and when he's sitting there sobbing, um, and and you know, you're like, "Oh Lord, this is this is not good." <laughs> he's <laughs> crying. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody very, wants very to be dark. around that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's other issues going on. I think when someone's crying, like oh, boy. yeah, yeah, I, I just. I, but you both, I guarantee, have seen grown men cry. Oh God. I don't even like to talk about it. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've had a few things to say to a few of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had too much comfort in our life. Yeah. Yeah. Like you say, you got to learn to kind of get uncomfortable at home. Yeah. And, yeah, that's right. And uh, and do things that are uncomfortable. And the mountain hunts will really test you, I think, more. Oh, boy. More than anything in the more, world. More than you got in you sometimes. It reveals the character of oh, people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's very character revealing. But, you know, anybody can fake it for a day or two out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you get a good grind in and you really see who someone is. You have to learn. The game ain't tied up for you. It's, no. It's, you you got to find it, you know. And like hunting sheep is what makes it really tough. Some of them are really tough to find, you know, in their certain areas. And, and you spend a lot of time just looking and and just look, 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 and keep looking, you know. And, but it's interesting, you know, if you make it that way. Yeah. No, it, uh, it'll it take you places that you never dreamed that you could ever see. And, and the sad thing for me is sometimes, you know, you leave one of these places and, and as the plane takes off or you unsaddle your horse and you think back at where you've been, you know, in your heart, you might never see that country again. And no. it just makes you sad. Right, duh. You know, yeah. it just makes you sad because it's it's some of the best accomplishments, most wonderful memories you'll ever live. And with the, your, the probably typically what it turns out to be, you know, the most cherished relationships with hum, other humans that you'll have. Right. And, and to know that, man, I might never feel this ground under my feet again. That's Very true. It always makes you a little sad when you leave. It does. 
And what also is what brings you back. It's exactly right. Yeah. You do things you don't think you'll ever do. You know, you think you're going on one sheep hunt or two hunt. It's very addictive, you know, mm -hmm. and like especially sheep and stuff like that. It's looks like a disease or a drug, you know, and you think, well, I've been on one. I think, God, what am I doing this for? And you, you, before you get home, you're ready to go again, mm -hmm. you know. So it's part it, of it. I was listening to some guys talk about how they can't afford a hunt the other day at SCI. And I'm listening to this man, oh, I can't afford this, I can't afford that. And I, I looked at him and I said, well, do you do you drink Starbucks coffee? Mm -hmm. He says, yeah, I love it. And I'm like, how often do you drink your coffee? And he says, well, I go probably, you know, three or four days a week. And, you know, dude's got three kids, so he's buying hot chocolate and doing this and that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, you're spending, you know, what, five to eight thousand dollars a year for you and your kids to drink coffee at a boutique store don't tell me you can't save your money to to go live out the adventure of a lifetime your priorities are what's wrong not your checkbook not your paycheck that, is where you spend that money very true you know you i tell people i've hunted up a lot of new cars and uh, and but they'd have been rusted <coughs> out anyway so it wouldn't make no difference but i got memories and and they've spent a fortune on vehicles, you know, mm -hmm. and, and which yeah, is, they're spending eight nine hundred dollars a month on a car payment. <laughs> yeah, and you you just do things like this, and and uh, you, you what your priorities are, mm -hmm. and you just got set aside. And I always had funds that I was put back and mm -hmm. save and work, just work harder, work overtime, work, do this and do this to make money. Drive a paid for car. Oh yeah. Don't and have a car payment. That's right. That's yeah. the way you do it. Put that's that money into a hunting fund. And right. That's what I've done in life. Yeah. And we work two jobs to try to save money mm -hmm. and, uh, and don't charge yourself from living, but, but you've got to save for a goal. Mm -hmm. And that's where kids has a big problem. They want to see everything. You've mm -hmm. got to want, you know, and, and the thing is just putting your priorities in order. If you got a goal, stick with it until you'll make it. Anybody can do it. It's just if you want to bad enough. Reg, you got a client that kind of sticks out in your mind that maybe had sacrificed a lot for the opportunity to hunt with you. Um, well, w what comes to mind, I uh, t took two fellows that were uh, mentally or not mentally, but physically challenged, mm -hmm. like in a wheelchair. And uh, the other was a paraplegic, and they both wanted to hunt moose with me. Well, th they phoned me, and they said no one would take me. And uh, <laughs> I said, okay, I'll take you. And uh, uh, I actually had a boat built so I could put them in a wheelchair in the front of the boat. Wow. And strap them down so they would be, uh, wouldn't fly out. We could just secure them to the boat, yeah. But, but I, I think um, that that was a highlight of my my um, sort of guiding career. Um, the one was, uh, the first one, I, uh, he, 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 he couldn't use his dexterity of his finger, but he, we had to get a tripod, mm -hmm. and um, he would pull his whole arm back mm -hmm. to shoot. Anyways, long story short, we were going up the river, and I pulled over. Um, 
Well, actually, I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> and, the truth be told. Uh, truth be told, I said, hey, you know, let's pull over here. I'm going to check. And I actually saw some moose tracks uh, and stuff. And I walked over, and I kind of standing there because he, he's in the boat. So it's it's a big deal to get him out of the boat, right? And I, I just kind of turned my head to the left, and I looked. And the, at the same time, this big bull moose, and he was a record bull, he turned and looked at me, and we're both looking at one another, and I went, wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, let's put this into action. So I s- kind of slinked back down, and I said to the, I had a, a, a young guy with me um, that was in the military, and he, I said, I need to take you so you can carry him and then I had the the, the fellow's helper um, that would help him in his cabin and stuff. And I said, there's a big bull moose right there, and I think we can get him. Well, the moose kind of spooked because he had a cow and calf, but we we carried him, you know, in there. And then we he was, you know, uh, I finally got the bull moose at the end of this meadow, and I called him. And, we got him standing up, and he was looking through the scope of that rifle, and we got him holding him up. And when he said that the massive buck fever, mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he had massive buck fever. He started like just shaking. shaking and all over, and he goes, "Look how big it is! Oh man!" And I said, "You know," but the moose, he went away. Buggered off. Buggered off. I could still see him a little off in the trees, but we didn't get him. And, I mean, we tried, but, yeah, you know, and that was first day. But then after that, we would always go up the river, and I would climb up. We would climb up in glass, and then finally we found another bull, and we carried him down this gravel bar, and I carried the wheelchair and put it in the water. I said, oh, man, I gotta get you out in the water more so we can get the angle on him. Pretty soon, I'm in. I'm in the water. He's in the water. He doesn't even feel it. I no. do. I do. Yeah. And uh, we got. He got that moose. Oh wow. And he he just cried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We yeah. got there. I mean that was a. And um, dream come true. Dream come true. And we packed that moose out, and he he laid down beside it, and he was trying to you know hold stuff and help skin it and you know later on he he actually was standing on his own at the camp wow one day i came out he was on the front porch he was standing on his own and he hadn't stood for years wow yeah wow and the power of the healing that happened that week yeah and then the, the 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 next next hunt was another uh, young fellow that uh, was a prominent, um, going to be an all-star uh, baseball player, like top in college, and he ended up in a car accident and broke his back, and he wasn't going to play baseball anymore. But uh, he, he, I ended up getting him a wolf. I howled it because I was up glassing, and I heard this wolf, and I howled came out and he was with his dad was helping him that time 
and I snuck down there. He said, yeah, 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 take that wolf, you know. And he got a big gray wolf, and then I said, I didn't think that spot's lucky. I said, we're going to go back down there, because a lot of times when you're you're running up in the river uh, with them, you don't realize how cold they're getting. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you always have to watch that. Anyways, I uh, I actually called a bull, and he got got a bull across the river and uh we we packed him in there and got pictures of that moose i mean that that's yeah. that i felt was a major accomplishment mm-hmm. not only oh for 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 them but for you but for me guiding i i stuck my neck out to to do that and i've uh oh, it's great you know, n- you n- never good. never forgot that i think that's a highlight of my guiding career really mm-hmm. You know, yeah. one of the highlights. Mm-hmm. So, Ron Raboud from Wounded Warrior Outdoors. He's uh, was a big part of the sheep right. family, and I would go on bear hunts with them. And in this, the things that I saw those men and women overcome on the mountain. And I think the the most beautiful part about hunting is uh, realizing how capable we are. In wherever we are in life, and the the mountain will really reveal to you how much deeper you can dig, and how much harder you can push, and how much farther you can really take your life if you choose. And then I feel like that really applies off the mountain into everything we do as humans. It does very, very true. You can, you just really don't realize how what you can do. You Mm -hmm. know, it's just a, it, you just don't do it. Mm-hmm. I'll have to tell you a little story. I was kind of rich. It may be kind of embarrassing, but <laughs> you can't embarrass him. But we was in Mongolia, and and uh, we was hunting, uh, come back to Bishkek, and Red's got the diarrhea. Oh, oh boy. Bad. We stopped bad, <laughs> real bad, open country, flat country. We was along the railroad track. Red jumps out of the car and runs out, and wide open. And he didn't comes care. Tr- he didn't comes, care. No, he don't care. Then here comes the train. Everybody was waving at him. <laughs> I turned. I turn, all uh, right out in the middle of the desert. I thought, okay, this looks okay. I'm, you know, and I'm like, oh man, my stomach and all this. And then I, here comes this train out of nowhere. It was like an old west movie. Here. And I turn around, and all the people are at the window. <laughs> They're waving. Well, everybody on that waving at him. Yeah. And I'm standing there, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was, in a lost. compromised position, we'll say. <laughs> we have a lot of laughs, you know. Well, you realize you're a long ways from B.C. <laughs> when you're, yeah. you're, you don't have that if you have that same problem in the bush. <laughs> no. <laughs> you have to worry no, about a bear sneaking up on you out there. No, not. No, <laughs> no. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Those are good times. These are the best times of our lives, right? Oh, yeah. You know, You're um, kidding. And I, I really appreciate you both sharing a couple stories with us today. And I wish I could podcast the whole week that we were here because the stories that Yogi and I have been privileged to partake in hearing, um, man, I, I feel like I was there in those stories. And um, it makes me uh, want to head back out into hunting camp. That's for sure. Because uh, it's... yeah. These are the things, and in, in people, when they see a trophy room like Jim's, they think, oh, well, that's, how do you have all those animals on your wall? And and every one of them is attached to the best memories oh, of your is. life. It's all memories. That's yeah. The trophy's not much. It's memories mm-hmm. is with me. Who you've been with, and mm-hmm. that's what counts, you know. 
It really does. And the fun you've had, because that just stands out, you know. Mm-hmm. And the trophy is just one small part of it. just brings a memory out on you, you know. Picture yeah. the same way. When the, mm-hmm. But it's who you've been with and, and the experiences you've had. And you just wish everybody could have it, you know. Yeah. And brings you down in the world. See, you're pretty minor, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Makes you feel small. Yeah. We are small. We're very oh, oh God. What bronded me and Jim is we were in elk camp one time, and he brought a little boy by the name of Eli James, who's 12 on an elk hunt. And I was uh, hosting that episode for RMEF, and Jim and I sat down, and we started talking. I'd never met Jim and Leanne, and uh, we had hunted the same places, but he would hunt with the generation before me, and I would be hunting with their kids, and, <laughs> and we knew the same people in the same mountains and some of the same rivers. and Yeah. And I, I, and that's the beautiful part about hunting is it connects you to strangers oh, and does. you understand each other instantly without, even if you don't know them. No, that's why, stick, why we all stick together and mm-hmm. we got to, you know. Just and Jim it. with his gun job, he even knew Bill Ruger. Oh yeah. Back oh, yeah. in the day and, and I'm being part of the Ruger family, I mean, it's just so small. It's all connected, you know. Yeah, I got to meet Bill Ruger and Ed Nolan, who was with Ruger, and, and it was his vice president, general manager at that time, and great gentleman. I mean, I really like to sit and talk to him because mm-hmm. we talked about old calibers, and I remember a lot of conversations you know, we had about uh, what calibers to build and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And they were gentlemen. Jim would, Jim would tell him, this is what we need for mountain guns. <laughs> this is what we need. And, yeah, and you probably had some sort of influence on, well, on firearms production from I, Ruger uh, uh, to I some m- capacity. I remember Ed, Ed Nolan told me one time, if we can make a 1,000, uh, like 257 Roberts or 7 by 57 and all that stuff. And I said, I'd take the first 20 you run, no matter what, you know, the calibers. Because these people, rifle people were... We like rifles, and uh, and we, I'm happy last week got every caliber probably to try. Mm-hmm. So it's it brings back memories, and that's part of it. It's great. People would come from all over the Midwest to come purchase firearms from Jim, not just because of you know him owning a gun store, but because he had so much experience in hunting and what it took. Yeah, it it was we built a business out of the rifles and and. Uh, just hunting knowledge and and you try to share it with people and try to guide people right to mm-hmm. the right places there's been a lot of people we knew went rage a ton of people and uh, and you try to not send them problems mm-hmm. and you try to weigh through people and uh, see whether they fit or not mm-hmm. you know and just try to help them out and never made a dime off of it it's just your convenience you, you couldn't give people yeah, yeah. It's all good stuff. Well, I sure love you, Jim, and, and Leanne, and Reg. It's been such an honor to get to know you and Anita. And well, thank you very much. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just what a, I mean, what an honor to sit down and talk with both of you. And I wish I could bring more to, to our listeners here today. But we're kind of out of time. We actually have dinner plans tonight. And Leanne uh, keeps tapping her wrist <laughs> up on the stairs for me to, to hurry up here. But um uh, I want to thank you guys both for, for sitting down and, and thank all of you for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Wild and Uncut podcast. And I just want to invite all of you to like, share, subscribe. So if, if you liked 
listening to Jim and Reg stories today, I invite you to share this with someone else that you might think might also enjoy them. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that, um, you know, would love to listen to the stories of some of the most iconic big game hunters in, in our lifetime, that's for sure. So thank you both for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, thanks. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to the Wild and Uncut podcast. If you would like to hear more, be sure to subscribe to my Pursue the Wild digital series on YouTube and follow me at Christy Titus on Facebook and Instagram.